Hey, Andy. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm great. Hey, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I do with you. Oh, yeah. Tell me about the podcast you do with me. It's called Slash You. That's right. Do you know Slash what we do? You. Yeah. We cover cheesy, campy, sometimes forgotten slasher horror movies. I think that is a great way to say it. And guess where we do it from? From your basement. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So if you like horror and you like slasher, why don't you uh, tune on in to Slash You. That's Slash U, S-L-A-S-H-U. Check out the Instagram at Slash U underscore podcast or Slash U podcast dot com. Are you crafty? Do you care about the environment? Then you should check out Crafty Star Studio. Owned and operated by Lisa Gorman, Crafty Star sells products that have the planet in mind. The products are made from materials that are reused, compostable, or recyclable. Go to craftystarstudio.ca and check out the amazing selection of products today and support a small business that supports saving the planet. I'm a sea king, a CGI thing. I'm here to eat and bear my teeth and shake a tail thin. A bikini babe, catching a road wave. A big surprise, I'm gonna rise and flash my tooth cave. All the buff dudes, safe on the beach food. They're gonna need a bigger boat to bear us real soon. I'm a sea king, a CGI thing. I'm here to eat and bear my teeth and shake a tail fin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bucket of Chum, the Shark Movie Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Coates, and this week, again, we are the Piranha Movie Podcast. We are in week three of Piranha December, and this week, I checked out 1979's Killer Fish, directed by Antonio Magaretti. That name sound familiar? Tarantino also used that name in Inglorious Bastards. Um, when they go undercover in the movie theater, like towards the end of the movie, and they're pretending to be Italian, Antonio Magaretti is one of the names that they use. But anyways, this movie also stars Karen Black and Lee Majors, so a couple of heavy hitters. Karen Black, you know, she's a horror movie icon. Like, she's been in so many things. Trilogy of Terror. Um, oh, my God. So many things. I can't even think of any right now. It's stupid. Uh, Lee Majors, he was a big TV star from, like, the 70s and whatnot. I think he was the $6 million man? No, that was somebody else. Uh, or was it? I don't know. He was also in a movie, um, Out Cold. Uh, I think it was early 2000s with, uh, Zach Galifianakis. Anyways, let's, uh, get into a, uh, plot synopsis here. Jewel thieves attempt to recover treasure from piranha-infested waters. Mistrust and betrayals happen amongst the gang in the quest for gold. I find that plot a little, well, it's not super misleading. They're not looking for gold. They're looking for jewels. So it's I, it's a minor detail, but I don't know why so many of these movies have details that are just like completely fucking wrong. And it doesn't matter whether I look on Letterboxd or IMDb. It's always the same thing, but I don't know. I'm rambling on here. Getting into the poster expectations. So there's a few posters for this one. Um, each of them are great in their own way. Just classic hand-painted or drawn or whatever, however they used to do it. Like, 70s, 80s adventure movies. Maybe even, like, a little 60s vibe in some of the posters. So, I'm expecting not so much horror, maybe. Like, just more action-adventure. Uh, which might be a nice mix-up from the usual. Who knows? So, this has an average rating of 2.2 stars on Letterboxd. So, 
Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound too bad. Let's see how it is. So there's nothing else left to do, but let's dive in. So we start off with a couple of guys playing an enormous game of backgammon. Like, this thing is fucking oversized and huge. And then we immediately cut to Lee Majors, Karen Black, and two other people uh, planting explosives and blowing up some facility and a bunch of trains. And then they go through some hole in the fence, and then, like, these military or, like, security personnel and helicopters start looking for them as, like, more explosives are going off in the background. As they're running through this base and the explosives are going off, it's a mix of, like, models and possibly rear screen projection. So, like, a lot of practical elements. And so far, they actually look really good. Like, this movie feels like it has somewhat of a budget. I don't think I looked up what the budget was, so I'm not sure, or if that information's even available, but it looked pretty good. They climb up some silo, and then they shoot a zipline across to another building, and then we keep going back to this big-ass fucking backgammon game, and, like, I don't know how backgammon is played, so, like, this was super fucking boring. Anyways, back at the facility, ambulances and fire trucks arrive at the facility, and we see the thieves breaking into a safe, so I assume the explosions were just as a fucking distraction for them to rob the safe. They break in, and then they start looking through some jewels and picking some out. I don't know why they're being picky. Like, just fucking take all of them. What are you doing? Oh, no, I'm not much of an emerald or ruby man myself. I mostly am into diamonds and blah, blah, blah. Get fucked. But the silent alarm for the safe goes off, and so now this facility knows that they're being robbed. The police bring in some German shepherds and have them sniff around, and then the thieves escape the facility through a fence, and they drive off in a van that's waiting for them. And then the four thieves are dropped off near the water while the driver drives off. They get to a dock, and then they toss this fucking lockbox into the water with a buoy attached, which is actually kind of smart, and then they head off. The chopper that's chasing them spots the van, and it starts chasing it. And then the van driver sets a timer on some dynamite, and then he keeps driving until there's, like, two seconds left, and then he jumps out, and the van fucking explodes. The thieves head down to a boat and drive off as the police search the Burton van and see there's no sign of any bodies, uh, so they head for the lake to go search for them. The driver is injured, and he's just walking through the jungle as the police pursue him with the dogs, but the dogs just kind of end up leading the police to, like, the water's edge, and then they stop. So somehow these dogs aren't very good at uh, their fucking job, so they're gonna have to get fired, unfortunately. On the water, the thieves are stopped by a police boat, and they're all dressed like tourists now, that they're just, like, they just look like they're out there fucking fishing. And then the police ask for their licenses... And then they show them some fish that they caught, and then the police have them uh, cut open the fish. And then Karen Black's character, Kate, says, like, oh, you don't have to do that. The hotel does that for us. Just trying to sound like a rich, bitchy fucking tourist. Love it. I just love everything that she's in, really. Easy Rider. Yeah, she wasn't in that for very long, but uh, it's one of my favorite movies, though. Anyways, the fuck was I talking about? Oh, so we go back with uh, Backgammon Man and his opponent, and they he over overhear about the jewel heist, and the guy who was winning, we learn, used to be employed for this mining operation that the jewels were stolen from. And then one of the other guys says it's a good thing he doesn't work there anymore because it looks like it was probably an inside job. Like, would you not immediately think, like, oh, this man quit working there and now these jewels are gone? Like, would you not suspect him almost fucking immediately? Ugh. They have, it, Dumb. Just people are stupid. Oh, what the fuck are you gonna do? 
so then we go into a hotel room and uh, Kate is there and she starts patching up the driver and making sure he's okay and then gives him shit for cutting it so close. And then as she's talking to him, it sounds like he's maybe a stunt driver or a daredevil or something. And then we see Kate and backgammon dude, who's actually her husband, Paul. The other thieves, Lou Majors, uh, uh, Lee Majors, I can't remember what I just said. Again, I'm fucking stoned. I'm so sorry. This is going to be weird again. Anyways, uh, Lee Majors character, his name's Robert. And then the other ones. I don't remember the other two characters' names. They all sit around and discuss that they need to wait 60 days before recovering the jewels. But the other two guys, uh, who are brothers, uh, say they don't want to wait that long. But, like, they have to wait until the heat is off. And, like, this plan is actually fucking brilliant. Like, for fucking once in these movies, these people are playing it smart. For now. But still. Like, it's just, it's one of the better plans I've actually heard of. Uh, Pretty fucking impressed. We see a plane land, and then a woman named Gabrielle and her husband Ollie come out, um, and they're on their honeymoon, and they're with a few other fucking people. And then Ollie starts taking pictures of Gabrielle, and then these other people get out of the plane. It's a man and a woman, and I think they're all there to, like, photograph this model or something. Gabrielle is the model, and then I guess Anne is her manager, maybe? Anyways, we hear someone say the model graduated from modeling school of Helen Keller, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I don't even know what that means. Are they saying she's ugly or just doesn't know how to model? Because the model is a babe. Her husband, Ollie, though, not to shame, but he's he's this big, sweaty guy, kind of like me, and he marries, like, to the equivalent of Margot Robbie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And he just, he doesn't even seem like that nice of a guy. He just seems like kind of a douche. So anyways, the other woman from the plane goes inside and starts telling someone she wants uh, orchids in her shots and they're hard to find, blah, blah, blah. So I guess the dude she's talking to is like some guide or something. And so they go to the hotel uh, owner's office to discuss money. Robert runs into the model and they start making fucking googly eyes at each other for a moment. And then Ollie is being shown to his room and I, I think Ollie is gay. The way he is acting just makes me think that he is gay. I Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it, I feel like maybe he's not married to Gabrielle for the right reasons. The two brothers leave the hotel and head to Rio to wait the 60 days to get the jewels. And then Kate and the driver are on the beach and she tells him to go for a jog. I guess she's like a nurse or something. And like so she's trying to help him heal and basically giving him physiotherapy, because she anytime somebody's injured, she's like always kind of taking care of them, so she must have some sort of nursing background. I don't know that they ever said it in the movie, but I don't know, I guess it doesn't fucking matter. And then she goes inside to her husband, Paul, and then she starts taking his shirt off, and he says, uh, hey, I uh, know what you have in mind, and uh, I don't think that's a, a good idea. And then she says, oh, lovemaking is considered excellent therapy for cardiac patients. Uh, so I guess this dude, like, has had a heart attack or something. So then they just start cozying up in the chair to start making out. And then we cut to the two brothers. It, it's two brothers. <laughs> it's just two brothers. Uh, watching a police checkpoint. <laughs> that was a Rick and Morty reference for anybody who's 
fucking confused by that reference, but I know there's a couple people listening who will get it. Uh, the, the two brothers are watching a police checkpoint and they head to the dock, uh, the one that they drop the jewels off of, and then one of the brothers gets a snorkel on and he gets in the water, and then after a few seconds, he comes up fucking screaming, and then his brother on the dock grabs the stick and tells his brother to grab it so he can pull him in, but he just keeps fucking flailing around, and we see the like blood fill the water and then he's gone so oh i wonder what happened to him Psst, it was the piranhas kate is on the phone uh calling the hotel the brothers were supposed to be at and she finds out that they never actually checked in and then we go with robert and he's at the pool and he sees gabrielle being uh photographed by ollie and so robert casually walks by as gabrielle is doing like some spinning move as she's getting her picture taken doing this, she knocks Robert into the pool. She apologizes, and then he pulls her into the pool. And then she asks him to buy him dinner, or buy her dinner, and to have a martini waiting for her. And then she's also wearing a white top, which is now completely see-through. But she doesn't cover up at all. Like, no complaints here. Free the nipple! Ollie walks over to the pool and says to Robert, you know you just ruined a thousand dollars worth of rags. And then Robert asks like how much his are worth and then he pulls Ollie into the fucking pool and everybody starts laughing. Later, Robert is in his hotel room and the surviving brother holds Robert at gunpoint and says his plan only worked on getting rid of one of them and to tell him like what the hell is going on there. And Robert says, oh, sure, I'll tell you what's going on. And then he fucking overpowers him and then he asks him like where the other brother is and then... Like, this other brother tells him what happened. And he, at this point, like, he thinks it's a giant fucking snake. I don't know why. Like, because all you really saw was, like, the like some little tiny waves above the water, like, when the brother was under. And that was about it. So I, I'm not sure where he's getting snake from. Um, I guess maybe unless that's common where they are. I guess that's a possibility. But again, he didn't actually fucking see anything. And then after the brother explains all this, Robert leaves the gun with him and says, all right, well, I'm going to go down uh, stairs and have fucking dinner. And so he's just leaving him in the hotel room. I guess he trusts him enough. I feel like maybe they've had some sort of relationship like they've worked in the past before. So I guess it's not that weird. They sort of hinted at this earlier when the two brothers were leaving, but we don't get a good feel for it. So, I guess, again, I guess it's not super weird. Ollie and the two other people they're with are at a table, and then Gabrielle and Robert are sitting at another table together, and then, like, through their conversation, we sort of learn Ollie is bisexual, and Robert doesn't seem to have an issue with it, so that's pretty fucking progressive. I'm gonna give credit where credit is due. 1978, and they're being accepting of this, especially in a movie, I'm impressed, so good for them. A waiter comes over and tells Robert he has a phone call, so Robert goes to the front desk, and when he gets there, Kate is waiting for him, and she says, I'm the telephone call, and then she asks if she knows where the brothers are, and he says, yeah, they're in Rio, and then she tells him about calling the hotel and that they haven't checked in, and that they're, they're probably after the emeralds and all the other jewels, and then Robert says, I trust them, and then Kate says something about bisexuals, so maybe she was insinuating, like, he's bisexual? I don't know. She's being fucking rude about it, though. <laughs> Anyways, she leaves, and then Gabrielle is right there, and she says to Robert that his three minutes are up. Fucking pushy much? God damn. <laughs> like, oh yeah, your three minutes are up. Dude, like, he said he was on a phone call. Like, rude. 
a bunch of people watch a ceremony being performed outside, and the other plain woman, um, Anne, tells Robert that it's a ceremony uh, performed for love or some shit, but also used to kill. So I, I don't know what this ceremony is, because it just seems to be a ceremony for um, literally everything, because they list off a bunch of shit. Oh, it's used for this, used for this, used for this, and it's like, okay, it's, it's whatever. I don't know why this was important. It's not. It's not. Anyways... Uh, Kate checks the driver's room, but he's not there. So she goes to the dock and she hops in a boat. And then as she's driving, Robert jumps in and says there's a chance that she may be right. So I guess he's agreeing with her that there's the possibility that the brothers might be after the jewels, which he already knows that they were. And ah, fuck to find all man. Anyways, we're with the brother and the driver at the dock. And then the driver asks the brother where the jewels are. And then the brother points out, like, around where they were dropped off. And then, like, fucking everyone is double-crossing each other here. It's insane. I, I think maybe the driver um, held the brother at gunpoint. I don't know if there was a scene missing or I fucking zoned out. I just, I don't understand how they got here. Like, they don't really tell us or show us. Again, unless I fucking zoned out. But anyways, uh, the brother says whatever got his brother uh, came from the middle and it came fast. And again, he thinks it's still a fucking snake at this point. The driver goes in and he comes back up screaming and the brother tries to pull him in, but he's accidentally shot with a spear gun by the driver and he falls in the water. So I guess since the driver thought it was a snake, he just brought a spear gun with him. He's like, yeah, if I see it, I'll shoot it and it'll be fine. But it's a bunch of fucking piranha, so you're fucked. Kate and Robert arrive uh, just then, and then Kate starts screaming to help them, but Robert says it's too late, and then she starts fucking running off. So she runs to Paul, and she sees him standing in front of a fish tank filled with piranha, and she says, You did it. You put piranha in the dam. And he admits it fully, and he says there must be tens of thousands by now, which is, in, like, that's way too many, dude. That's way too many fish. Like, you could have gotten away with a couple hundred, maybe, but tens of thousands? God damn, that's just, that's just reckless and irresponsible. And, and then she says uh, he just murdered the other three guys, and then he says while they were being punished, she, and she says they didn't know, and he says they knew the consequences. How the fuck would they know the consequences if they didn't know there were... Ugh, whatever. And then she tells Paul that she feels betrayed, and then he should have told her that. And then he points out where would the jewels be if he hadn't protected them. And again, this plan. Genius. Like, I don't get to say this often. Like, even though it's diabolical and, like, pretty fucked up, it's still genius. Like, again, most of the time when I'm watching these movies, it's all fucking nonsense or bullshit, but... This plan is, like, pretty fucking solid so far. I'm very impressed. And not only that, it's definitely, like, a co-Italian production. And the fact that this movie is still, like, actually making sense for the most part so far is insane to me. Uh, but I'm really enjoying it. But let's dive back into this. Kate then tells Paul she's getting Robert and he needs to tell him everything he just told her because they both just watched those two guys die. She says uh, they need to stick together or they all lose. Paul doesn't seem very happy by that. And then Kate walks into Robert's room and Gabrielle comes out wrapped in a sheet. So uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder what they were up to. But she says Robert is out fishing and then they get catty with each other. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like when two female characters interact in an old movie and it's like they're just bitchy at each other because that's 
what they thought girls did. I mean, true, it does happen sometimes, but yeah, that's what's going on. Like, I don't know if they both like Robert or if Kate just doesn't like Gabrielle or... I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, Kate leaves and then Gabrielle goes back to the shower where Robert is actually waiting for her. And then Kate goes back to Paul and tells him Bob is underwater fishing. And Paul thinks he's also out for the jewels now, so the partnership is officially dissolved. Like, god damn, the dude just wanted to get laid. Man. And then Kate then says that she knows he was hiding in the shower, and it was just his way of showing he doesn't approve of what they've done. Like, okay, fucking what? He doesn't even know what's entirely going on yet, I don't think. So, like, why the fuck would you assume that? That makes absolutely no sense. So remember when I said this was starting to make sense? Yeah, it's starting to crumble a little bit here, but I don't know. It's okay so far. So then we cut to Gabrielle jumping into the water off a dock as Ollie takes pictures, and then she gets onto a boat with the rest of her crew, and they drive off down the river uh, with that guy that Anne was talking to at the beginning of the movie. And then we also see Paul and Kate are out on the water on their own boat, the guide points out that it might rain, and uh, the manager lady, Anne, says, Oh no, not before we're done our photo shoot. Oh yeah, Anne, because your fucking photo shoot's so goddamn important. Mother Nature's gonna be like, Oh, we can't rain yet. Anne's got her fucking photo shoot to do. Idiot. So, they pull up to an island, and they have some shrunken heads that are fake set up on, like, uh, stakes or whatever. And then one of them even points out, like, shrunken heads were never in Brazil. And Ollie just says, oh, but it's art. Ugh, whatever, Ollie. You're a fucking idiot. Do what you're gonna do. Paul and Kate get to the dock, and then Kate is in a wetsuit, and she gets in the water, and she dives down. And this is the first, like, real bit of underwater photography we get, like, finally. So she's searching around for the jewels, which she can't see are behind her. And she keeps coming across, like, bodies. So she comes across one of the bodies, which is all chewed up. And then she comes across another one. And, like, it's a skeleton with, like, a little bit of meat hanging off of it. It looked pretty good. I really liked it. And then she keeps swimming around, and she finally finds the lockbox. Of course, as soon as she does, the piranhas start coming for her. And it looks like a mix of stock footage and some practical effects and, like, just quick cuts. But it works. It actually looks really good. I was very happy with it. She starts spraying a bunch of shit around to scare the fish off, and then she surfaces with the lockbox, and then Paul pulls her up and the box, and she takes her mouthpiece out, and she's, like, freaking out and fucking screaming, and Paul calms her down and tells her, like, we're done, we're done, like, that's it, that's all we need to do. It's all good now. Back with Gabrielle and her crew, she's modeling by some waterfalls, and they take photos while there's, like, lightning going on. Like, oh, yeah, that seems like a great fucking idea. Oh, there's lightning happening? Perfect. Let's set up some metal stands with lights on them and then take pictures. Ugh. Fucking Ollie. Paul opens the lockbox, and we see it's full of different jewels, and he's super happy. Him and Kate load up the jewels as they hear the thunder coming in, and then they go to leave, but their boat has been sunk. So they start walking into the jungle as the rain pours down. They spot the model's boat, and then they call out to the guy and he helps them onto the boat. When they get on there, they go down below deck and Robert is down there. And then him and Paul start playing fucking backgammon. Ugh, whatever. Fucking, I don't know. if Maybe if I understood how to play backgammon, it would, like this would make more sense. Like maybe it's a metaphor for something. 
but I don't fucking play it. I don't understand how to play it, so this just does, doesn't make any sense to me. Back at the hotel, a tornado, we're told, we don't really see it. We just see a lot of wind is hitting the hotel. Yeah, so we're told, like, a, a tornado is hitting the hotel, so we see, like, chairs flying everywhere. And then we go back to the boat, and these fuckers play more backgammon, and Bob wins and says he's going out to go get some air. And Kate is staring at Paul this whole time, like, throwing fucking daggers with her eyes. Like, if you know what Karen Black looks like, you know how fucking sharp those goddamn daggers will be. They will pierce your fucking balls. Up top, the guide has brought the boat to the dam, and then we see the tornado rip by, and it breaks the dam, um, which is a model, and a damn impressive one at that. Like, you can tell it's a model... But, like, it looks pretty decent. Like, I was actually pretty happy with the models in this movie. So the water comes rushing out, crashes into the boat, rocks it back and forth. Well, it rocks the little model boat back and forth. But again, even the model boat didn't look half bad. And then the boat hits something, and they've run aground, so they aren't far from shore. Back at the mining facility, we see it's being flooded by the dam burst, and all the workers start fleeing. And again, we get some really nice model work here. And it actually, the shot goes on for quite a while. They show the water flooding the mining facility. And again, like I know I keep saying it, but the model work was so good. And there was a lot of it in this movie. So I think that's where a lot of the budget went to, was probably doing some of the practical effects. In my opinion, fucking money well spent. Back on the boat, the crew is working to patch up all the holes. As Bob is working to patch up one of the holes... Paul picks up a fucking wrench and goes to take him out, but Bob blocks it. They start brawling. Is this really the fucking time to be doing this? Like, you guys are about to sink. Like, work together for, like, 20 minutes, and then you can go fucking kill each other. They stop after they hear some screaming from outside, and then Bob says, like, on shore, I'll be waiting for you. And then he goes up top to see what's going on. One of the bow crew has fallen into the water and is being attacked by the piranha while Kate watches in horror, so she's the one that was fucking screaming. The boat captain, or guide, jumps in to try and save the man, but it's too late, and then they manage to get the boat captain back in the boat, like, before he's complete, like, completely eaten, but he's had a few little, little nibbles on him, little nib-nibs. On the boat deck, they see a fish flopping around, and one of them goes to touch it, and Anne is like, no, it's a piranha. I don't know how Anne knew it was a piranha, but I don't know. Maybe she knows fish really well. Maybe. I don't know. Bob hears this from inside and he looks over at Paul. And so now he knows exactly what's going on. So I guess they all knew that Paul had piranha in fish tanks at the house that they were at before. So I guess when he hears that, he knows because I guess piranha aren't native to this area. So I guess... That's how Paul, or that's how uh, Bob knows that Paul is, like, fucking responsible for all this. The captain says the boat is going to sink, but Paul says they'll get everyone to shore before that happens. He doesn't have a plan for it, but he's fucking sure of it. Back at the hotel, a kid is playing near the water while everyone else is cleaning up around the hotel, and then he falls in, and a bunch of people come to his rescue, and they discover the lake is full of piranha. So, like, he got, like, his feet nibbled on, I guess. He was fine. It would have been nice to see a little bit more violence, but uh, I guess the implied child violence is good enough. The hotel owner goes and tells a dude that's been hitting on Anne, like, the whole movie, that there's piranha in the water and they need to go warn Max, uh, who's the boat captain, about them before it's too late. 
and uh, they hop into his plane and fly off. <laughs> Little do they know that it is already too late. On the boat, Robert has made a small raft to bring people to shore, and then everyone argues about who's going, who's not, because they don't want to leave the jewels with one person or the other. So the first people to go are Ollie and Anne, and as they leave, someone points out they can't paddle with their hands. They need something else. Fucking duh. Like, no, like literally nobody thought of that until they were already on the water. Jesus Christ. So Robert throws them a piece of wood and they use it as a paddle, but they just paddle in fucking circles. And then Ollie's like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then they start tipping the raft. Ollie falls in and then he's being eaten alive by Piranha like almost fucking immediately. And then we just see him bob up and down as the fish nibble on him. So I think they used uh, like mixed this footage with footage of real Piranha feeding on some meat. So it was pretty cool the way it was intercut. I, I absolutely loved it. It was so fucking good. Anne tries to help him, but he's fucking dead. So she jumps off the raft and swims to shore and manages to make it with only a few bites because she stupidly stopped like five feet from shore and just stood in the fucking water. Here's your dunce hat, Anne. Jesus. So she uh, yells at the boat and she says uh, she'll go and get help and she runs off. The boat crew later on hear the plane above, but the plane hasn't quite seen them yet. And then as Anne is running through the jungle, she hears the plane too. And then she manages to get to an opening and wave to the plane. And they spot her and she points towards the boat. And Max, uh, that's the pilot's name, heads to the boat and he radios the position of the boat and asks for help, but no one is available because most of the boats or helicopters are helping at the mine. Max has the hotel owner drop a rubber raft from the boat, but he misses and the raft sinks. So it's like one of those inflatable rafts, but he didn't pull the cord so it didn't inflate in time. So he throws another one and it opens properly, but it's like 40 feet away from the boat. Max tells the hotel owner that he has to land. So he finds a dodgy spot, lands the plane, but he breaks the wings off the plane and it fucking catches fire and runs to the burning plane manages to help the men out. They run away as the plane explodes and then they start heading towards the beach. The boat crew see the explosion and assume the worst. And then the boat is taking on more water. And so they gather some carbide lamps because they explode when they come into contact with water. What a great thing to have on a fucking boat that drives on water and that probably often gets rained on. Oh, uh, I don't know if these are real or not. I didn't look it up, but I'm just like, okay, if these things are so reactive to water, why? Why do you have them on your boat? I, I don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. But I, I'm not a fisherman, so maybe I'm stupid. So Paul starts throwing some of these in the water, and we see it explode and kill some of the fish around. Bob throws a bloody blanket in the water, and then Paul throws some of the lamps in the water, and then Bob starts swimming, and he finds the raft that sank, but the fish find him, and he's attacked, but he manages to bring the raft back onto the boat. And then Paul pulls a gun out and tells everyone to get comfortable, and even Kate says she doesn't want to leave everyone. And Paul hands the gun to her as he gets in the raft. And then after her and Bob exchange a few words, she turns around and Paul has fucking rowed out away from the boat and then tells Kate there's nothing wrong with his heart. He made it up because he figured she was just going to steal the jewels after he died anyways. But like there's nothing wrong with him. I don't know. This dude came up with scenarios that didn't need to happen or like weren't going to happen. But again, 
kind of fucking genius. Most of this plan has been pretty fucking impressive. I kudos to you, Paul. He really sat down one day and like really thought this out or like planned it for years, I guess. But like he thought of fucking everything. Well, almost everything. Kate points the gun at Paul and he says she wouldn't. She pulls the trigger, but the gun is empty. Paul says goodbye, Kate, and he rows away. And then Bob jumps into the fucking water and starts swimming to the raft. He reaches Paul, they struggle, and all while Bob is fighting off Piranha as well, and while he's being nibbled on, he still struggles with Paul, who's still on the raft. So, like, Bob sort of gives up, and then he somehow manages to make it back to the boat. And the piranha have chewed a hole in the raft and it starts to sink. And Paul starts to swim slash walk to shore with the jewels in hand. And as he's being eaten, everyone watches it happen. Max and the hotel owner get to the beach and start inflating a boat. But it's a little too late for Polly boy because he is dead. Hey, Polly, did you want to get buried proper like? Go too fucking bad because you're dead. Back on the boat. We see Bob has actually ripped one of the valves off the raft. So he's a pretty crafty motherfucker. So I guess it actually wasn't the piranha. It was the fact that Paul ripped the, the raft off. But I mean, we also saw a piranha chewing on the boat. I don't know. I, it doesn't fucking matter. Paul's dead. He was an asshole and now he's dead. Yay. They're all brought to the beach and they're taken away by helicopter. Now we're in a hospital. Kate is in a wheelchair by the window while the nun says, you haven't touched your fish. Shame on you. And fucking Karen Black just replies, yes, shame on me. And the nun says a policeman is here to see her. And the nun lets him in. And the policeman brings her the fucking beauty case that has the jewels in it. And says, yeah, we dragged by the boat. We found this, but it's locked. Great work, detective dumb shit. So you were dragging by the boat, I'm assuming looking for evidence. And because this thing was locked, you... And there was a big jewel heist not that long ago, and you, uh, idiots. No wonder these thieves got away with it. Like, the fucking cops here are useless, apparently. So later, at the airport, Gabrielle brings someone to the gate, one of her friends, and then she sees them off on a plane. And then she sees Kate there, and then sees her walking on the plane with the beauty case. And then we see Anne on a payphone and saying, she's leaving, must have gone well, as Gabrielle starts leaving the airport. On the plane, Kate is opening her beauty case, and as she's struggling, the man beside her offers to help, and he manages to open it for her, and she looks inside, and the jewels are gone. Outside the airport, Gabrielle gets into a car and hands Bob the real beauty case with the jewels inside. Bob finds a note inside the case, and it says, just in case. Ah, yes it is. It is just in a case. <laughs> Moving on. The letter says, congratulations on a job well done. I've kept the missing half. Fair enough? And Bob watches the plane take off and says, Fair enough. Gabrielle then drives the car and we roll credits. So, just that last part. Like, if she stole half the jewels, why didn't she just steal all of them? Uh, hmm, I don't know. I guess just a bit of an insurance policy. Like, in case something did happen, at least you had something. So I guess that's, no, that's kind of smart. Yeah, smart enough. That was killer fish. So there's not a ton of piranha action in the movie, but I definitely compare this movie to a movie like Venom. Not the one with Tom Hardy, not the fucking Spider-Man one. There is another movie from the 70s or 80s. I'm pretty sure Klaus 
Kuklinski is in it. But it's about these guys robbing a house or something, and they, the owner's pet snake gets loose. So they're dealing with, like, the cops outside, but there's also a pet snake that's loose in the house. So it's kind of like that. It's not the main focus of the story, but it's definitely an element of the story. And I think this movie played it out really well. Even though there wasn't a ton of piranha action, I really liked the movie. The plan was thought out well. The actors were great. I mean, Lee Majors, Karen Black... I got nothing to complain about there. And overall, it was very confident. The model work was fucking great. As far as poster expectations, like, I think they were met. Like, I don't think the posters promised anything that wasn't a part of the movie. Like, it pretty much delivered on everything that I was kind of expecting. Honestly, I think this movie is criminally underrated, and I am giving it a full three stars. It was entertaining. Cast was great. As I said, for an Italian movie, there wasn't a whole lot of complete fucking nonsense. So, yeah, three stars on Letterboxd. That was Killer Fish from 1979, directed by Antonio Magaretti. As always, you can follow me on all of the social medias. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Slasher, all at Bucket of Chum Podcast. And if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Bucket of Chum. Each month, you get a brand new episode exclusive to Patreon, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and it's only two bucks a month. And wherever you're listening to the show, it would really mean a lot if you could rate and subscribe or leave a review. It really helps the show out. And I will see you guys next time for an all-new episode of Bucket of Chum. for you bad movies worst people i mean look you like getting a couple beers in you watching a bad movie and yucking it up with your friends that's what we're doing we have microphones we have great impersonations we have bad impersonations well, i think it might be one of the best podcasts i've ever heard it's the best podcast i've ever heard fellas and i ain't lying through my giant teeth <laughs> there's a sample yes <laughs> you can find us anywhere bad movies worst people.com come check us out if you don't follow us we will follow you home I'm Chris. And I'm Mel. And together we host the podcast, Spoil Spoil My My Movie. We were watching movies anyway. And we were having in-depth conversations about those movies, too. So, we decided to share our thoughts with the world. You can expect me to gripe about inaccurate details like supposedly cold weather, but you can't see anyone's breath. And you can expect me to be totally adorable, but also psychologically deep. And by the end of each episode, we'll provide our respective ratings. Using a rating scale custom tailored to the movie in question. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're everywhere. We're actually behind you right now.